Hi, folks. Before we jump into my interview with Martin, I wanted to reflect on a couple things going on right now. First off, while I have immensely enjoyed my conversations with all of my past Experiencing Data podcast guests, I have not been particularly great about diversity in this show. While I have tried to also make this show as evergreen as possible, I feel like uh, current events like COVID-19 and the repeated mistreatment of blacks and people of color in the United States, including decades of systemic racism, can't be ignored, especially on a show that advocates for human-centered design. So as I was reflecting on this, I started to think about this show and whose voices I was sharing with you the most. When I sat down and put together a quick visualization of the gender and race breakdown of all my past guests as perceived by me, the data told a very white male story. I've shared this visualization and my thoughts behind publishing this on my blog and to my mailing list, but in short, I still have a lot to work, uh, a lot of work to do in terms of bringing more diverse opinions and people to experiencing data into your ears. So that's something I will be working on. If you have recommendations for black leaders in technical product management, data science, or analytics who might be good guests to interview that you'd like to hear me talk to, um, I hope you'll send them to me at brian at designingforanalytics.com. Uh, and I hope you'll stick around with Experiencing Data and me as I work on this. Finally, uh, just a quick note uh, that registration will be opening soon for the next edition of my online seminar, Designing Human-Centered Data Products. So if you or if you have staff who are trying to uh, figure out what your customers and users really need and want with data solutions and how to turn that data into useful, usable, and valuable data products, I hope you'll join me in a small cohort of students. I do teach the class, but space is limited. So to get notified when registration opens up, just head over to designingforanalytics.com slash the seminar and click on the get notified button. And now here's Martin. You're now experiencing data with Brian O'Neill. Experiencing Data explores how product managers, analytics leaders, data scientists, and executives are looking at design and user experience as a way to make their custom enterprise data products and analytics applications more useful, usable, and valuable. And now, here's your host, the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics, Brian O'Neill. Welcome back to Experiencing Data. This is Brian O'Neill. And I'm excited to have my friend uh, in Germany today, uh, Martin Suzugat uh, from Dotenriver. How's it going, Martin? Thanks uh, for inviting me, Brian, to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to talk about uh, uh, data thinking, design thinking. Um, I, I, was, I was interested in talking to you because uh, I kind of see you as a, a like-minded individual that, that that feels the need to bring design uh, and design thinking into the world of data product creation. Uh, and we both, I think we've both seen what happens when it's not there. And I wanted to, to, to bring you on the show to talk about some of your experiences in consulting uh, in terms of ha what happens, like what's the before and after for your, your clients that go through training and some of the consulting work you've done, some of these before and after stories and, and why do people come to you? And then what happens on the back end? Like what kind of change happens, especially in the product development process? So 
Can you give people a little background about your, a little bit of background about what you do, and, and then we'll jump into some of that? Um, as you already said, so I'm uh, from Datendriver. I started Datendriver five years ago, uh, and Datendriver is a data strategy consulting company. So we help uh, clients uh, to create value from the data. And so my job as a managing director is uh, especially uh, at the client side to help them in uh, within workshops or in consulting projects to identify the data assets and the right data use cases or analytics use cases that are relevant for their company. Got it. Got it. And it, it is, is most of the work you guys do, is it more on the training side or more in the consulting side? I would say a 50-50. So um, when we started five years ago, it was just consulting. And then we uh, started doing a lot of workshops. And during the workshops, I used a lot of flip charts and um, scribbled uh, business model canvas or something like that. And uh, then I started to, to, to scribble my own canvas uh, tools. And then I decided to, yeah, to, to make a first draft in PowerPoint and then I learned, okay, I'm not um, the artist guy. Um, so uh, I asked our web designer to design other canvas. And in the end, we came up with a lot of different canvas tools that helped us for our data strategy workshops. And then clients asked us, okay, I like your method um, and I like those canvas tools. Can you teach us how to use those canvas tools and use your method uh, for our projects or even for our clients, for example, if we were working for the other consulting companies or agencies. And so we also started a training business. And now I would say it's 50-50, so 50% of the time and also 50% of the revenue comes from um, training. Um, and also 50% comes, the other 50% comes from the consulting business. Uh -huh. So like what happens that someone decides they need to like pick up the phone and we need to call Martin, we need to we need to get some of his mojo in here to like you know fix our fix our our problems and challenges that we're having like what what are the signals that someone feels like something's wrong or we want to get better at the thing that you do like what makes them pick up the phone and, and call you and what what's what are some of those problems look like yeah so the typical situations are for example someone uh, thinking about to invest in our dmp a data management platform or in a data lake or they think about starting their own data lab or data office or whatever this is called, or they just think about, okay, we have so much data and how can we um, utilize or monetize it? And then they uh, contact us and ask us, okay, can you consult us on uh, which is the best DMP or CDP or whatever? And my first question is always, so what will you do with the CDP, DMP or whatever? <laughs> or what will your your data lake, your data lab, your data office, what what will it do? How it will help your business? And often the people say, okay, we don't know yet. And said, okay, this is how I can help you. I can help you to identify the real critical use cases and help you to prove whether those use cases make up in the end a business case so that you will make money from investing time and money in data and analytics. And I think this is a typical situation uh, for all consulting projects. Uh -huh. And it is their feeling when they when they call you. Is it is it the feeling that hey we're kind of headed down the wrong path here? We're we're really focused on the on the technology build out, but we haven't really figured out what it's for yet, and we need help doing that. 
or are they kind of surprised when you ask that question and it it changes the conversation like what what's that like yeah yeah often uh they already have this feeling that they're on the wrong path but uh-huh. they can't articulate it they can't name the reason why it is why they think they are on the wrong path mm-hmm. for example one um client um called us and he, he told us a story so they built up this data lake and integrated a dozens of data sources into the data lake and they spent months on the, the, the implementation and the integration. They hired about 20 data scientists or so. And one day um, the CEO stepped in because they have a new investor, a hedge fund. And then uh, the CEO asked this data lab guys, so how many do you make money? And they said, we don't know yet. And he said, okay, you have three months to find out. And that one, this was the, the point when they called us and said, okay, can you help us to, to think about what can we do with the with all the data, how to create value. Um, but often uh, also a lot of clients also have the experience in failing with data and analytics projects. Mm-hmm. And then because for, for example, they learn that they built this shiny dashboard or whatever. And, but the people, their users, their colleagues don't use this dashboard. And then they learn, okay, there's something wrong. So technically it's, it's working fine. Uh, the data is correct and sophisticated, but people stop using it after, for example, a few weeks or months. So you see there is no re- no user retention. And this is, of course, because the user ha- has no value in using uh, this dashboard tool because it doesn't answer the questions that the users need uh, for making better decisions and taking better actions. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I usually like to call this technically right and effectively wrong <laughs> solutions, right? So you did all the pipelining and engineering and all that stuff is just fine, but it didn't produce a meaningful outcome for the person that it was supposed to satisfy with, you know, some kind of decision support. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about like, uh, you don't have to use the name of, of a company or a client, but I'm curious if there's a recent story that you could share about you know, what uh, paint us the picture of 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 a, a student or one of your seminar workshops or a client, what it was like beforehand and then what it was like afterwards. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear about any type of transformation that the people had to like they're in their mentality, maybe about how they the different questions they ask or the approach that that, you know, they kind of light goes on right like through the process of working with you this is what I see a lot with design projects is part of it is solving the immediate problem. But the secondary thing that sometimes happens is they, they start seeing your way of doing things and they, a light has kind of gone on and they can carry that forward to the next, you know, project or whatever. So could you share one of these like kind of before after stories? Yeah, I can, I can um, share two stories um, because uh, one is more the, common project uh, and the other is more the, the the uncommon project i started with the uncommon project because a few years ago um the the um, gfk uh, the market research company asked us to help them to identify business cases for data-driven business because of course they knew that all this market research is in a transformation process and they thought about how they can transform their business model 
Uh, and I don't think a lot of companies are really thinking about how to transform the business model. Most companies, and that's why I said it, it was an uncommon project, are just thinking about how they can use data and analytics to improve their existing business model, but not um, to change the complete business model. So this was an uncommon project, but it was interestingly one of our first projects, um, client projects, uh, I think four or five years ago. And when we started, we built up a team of, uh, I think, six or seven people. And then we started to think about what might be relevant use cases for their clients. And uh, we identified nearly 100 different use cases or ideas of use cases. And then we used um, a structured approach, a design thinking approach to narrow this list of 100 use cases to 50 use cases in the first step, then to 25 use cases, then to 10 use cases, five use cases. And in the end, um, there were three use cases or a collection of, um, or three collections of use cases that built uh, three different applications or client solutions where all the, the team members said and also the executive said, okay, we believe that this has economic uh, potential, so it, it's viable for us and also for the clients. And we also knew know that um, there is a, that this solution is desired. So the users, so our clients want the solution. So we tested mm -hmm. it in interviews, for example, and uh, we also checked whether it's uh, technical uh, feasible. Um, and the interesting thing here was not only that in the end, uh, GFK launched uh, different data-driven products, which now are is the new core of their business. But also, what um, you could see is a change in the in the culture. So they attracted new uh, new employees that have this had a different mindset than the people before, mm -hmm. and also the employees started to use the Canvas tools. They like the Canvas tools so much, so they asked me, could we have our own branded Canvas tools so we can use our tools and adapt those tools to our specific needs and use them with our clients? And yeah, they, they changed from this technology-driven, from this, I think, data-driven um, perspective to a more user-driven perspective by start first asking what our user, what our client um, want and not what is technical uh, possible. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. And when I hear, you know, oh, we want to be data driven. And I'm always thinking, you know, I, I, I know where that comes from. It, it means we want to use data to make decisions, but there's still many times humans in the loop that are actually the ones making the decisions, right? The data doesn't make the decisions for us. There's We still have to tap into what do people need from this data to make the human decision? Because that's what drives things forward, unless we're talking about fully automated solutions, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, that's that's interesting to, to hear about that. Yeah, for automated solution. So there is always uh, in, in the process at the beginning and at the end, there are always uh, humans involved. Sure, so sure. No process is completely automated. There is a beginning and there is an end. And at the beginning, for example, there is a, a client request or anything else, an event which is associated with a client. And at the end also, I mean, and also for completely automated, let's call them artificial intelligence solutions, you have to think first about the user and then about how to implement it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you can you share a little bit like if we walk back on this, this the GFK um, thing, yeah. and you talked about how 
you know, people they were suffering from low engagement, which is a common thing I hear as well in my consulting. We, we built this this dashboard, we built this software product with this data product, and it's too complicated or they just don't care. It's not something's wrong, but we don't know why. How do you what did you do to validate that it was wrong or or to validate that the new solution was right? Like literally like walk us through how do you figure out that this design is better? Like how do you how do you help them know that this new version is what they actually wanted or needed? Well, what's that process look like? Um, for GFK, I, I cannot tell because I was not involved, so I trained them. So I okay, um, showed it. them how to do it, and they did it by their own. Mm -hmm. um, but um, as I said, there is, for example, another project. This is more the, the common project, um, which was um, for ProSieben Sat1 Digital. So mm -hmm. they are running the um, websites for the TV stations uh, of ProSieben Sat1, which is one of the bigger um, TV networks in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. And so um, they ask us to help them to um, introduce or to, to, to uh, improve the social media analytics. And what we did was we first collected different use cases and we came up with one specific use cases, which was there's a social media manager who screens 30 different pages and then um, looks for the Facebook posts of the last seven days and then uh, calculates the click rates and then uh, identifies those Facebook posts that might be where he puts the ad budget on, so to, to yeah. boost the, the Facebook posts. What's and resonating, he, yeah. He was downloading a lot of Excel sheets and doing a lot of manual stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, but how much time do you spend with the solution or with this approach? And said, yeah, one, one hour per day. And I said, okay, let's automate this because you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision where to spend your marketing budget and you have to make this decision every day so we can help you. And mm -hmm. the solution was what we first did was just building a simple Excel prototype, which just collected the data from the Facebook pages, from the 30 Facebook pages, and then calculated the click rate and then sorted the Facebook posts by click rate, mm -hmm. and then just showed him. And I said, wow, that's great. That saves me one hour per day. I said, yeah, great. That we spent two, two days to implement a solution, and uh, it, your effort will be reduced to five minutes per day. Mm -hmm. And so this very simple solution, what it created was acceptance for analytics because all his colleagues saw it and said, okay, so those guys are not people that want to, to change how we work and uh, that want us to, to control ourselves or make us um, controllable, mm -hmm. but they really want to help us. They want to help those that can we as a social media manager could improve right and the next thing uh what we did we were talking to one a team which was responsible for um one tv format and so we used a similar approach we um scribbled a social media dashboard and then we uh, prototyped it in excel and then we showed it to them and we we asked them for feedback we tried to find out what we did for example we spent just just one day with the social media team and try to find out what what is their daily job. So what are the decisions? What are the actions they have to, to take or make? 
and what are their objectives and not what is the, the, the big objective of the company. Maybe that's often it's clear, but especially what is the objective of the single persons and trying to help them uh, to give them a tool to improve their daily work and make, improve, help them to make better decisions. And in the end, the prototype was so successful or the people were so convinced that this prototype helped them, they went to the other teams and showed it to them and said, oh, look, look here, what we got. And the other team said, okay, we want this too. Right. Said, yeah, you can have this, but then you have to also enter the data. You have to tag all your URLs, your link posts, and said, okay, well, because now you showed us what will be the result if we do it, we will invest the time in data management. So we will invest the time in taking all our Facebook posts. And I think this is a, re a critical thing to, to understand the user and help the user, not only the business. Did you invite them into the sketching sessions with you? Did they participate in, in creating the solution? I think so. It, I think it's three or four years ago. I can't mm -hmm. remember. Um, but they, uh, so we co-developed the dashboard with them. Mm -hmm. And what we often do uh, is, um, yeah, for example, to use a flip chart to um, wireframe the dashboard or the analytics solutions. Mm -hmm. Or now because of uh, Corona, um, we are using uh, virtual uh, whiteboards or we are using, uh, for example, tools like Basamic which mm -hmm. is a wireframing tool. And then we make a virtual session and we are developing or designing, for example, the user, the dashboard user interface together with the client using Balsamic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my point there is that this is an organic process that happens with them. You don't, it doesn't sound like you did this totally in isolation and then you just throw it over the wall to them and say, here it is. Instead, you're servicing them literally like you're, you're trying to work the tool into the way they do their work now, not introduce a thing you want them to use. It's empathy driven. It's it's driven by their needs and their work. And you have to connect with them to understand what does it mean to be a social media manager? What does my day look like? Where 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 is there friction in the work that I do? And you it's not like you identified a place where what if I could take a, give you back five hours a week uh, of your time to do something else, you know, and, and, and that is what's going to get someone's attention, not we have this new thing and then they have to figure out why it's valuable for them. It's can I help you save five hours a week? Here's a here's a way we could make your social media ad, you know, your ad targeting, uh, you know, process a little bit easier. So I like that you, you worked lo fi. You presented options early to them. It sounds like they weren't perfect, uh, you know, the first time. It sounded like and you talked about how you needed them. They started to realize, oh, if I if I tag the data, then I'll get even better results. But you didn't require them to have that in place. It sounds like you, you took an initial step and they saw the value. And then you you it encouraged this new behavior of tagging, you know, to make the next experience better. Is that is that correct? Yeah. And I think one important thing here is also if people don't understand what you're doing or what your analytics solution is doing, they won't um, use it and right. they, there will be no acceptance. And, and another way to increase this user acceptance is to involve them in the development. Um, and for example, we have now a project um, where we um, designed in the first step, for example, um, 
of course, wireframes for the dashboards, but also so-called um, value driver trees, where the, the, the people identified all the relevant metrics and the, the drivers for those metrics. And um, we used also um, interactive approach and code develop those driver trees, because in the end, they have to work with all the metrics in these value driver trees, and they have to understand it, and also they have to accept it. If they don't accept that those are the metrics that are used to measure their work, they won't use the, the whole data warehouse and um, KPI dashboard solution at all. And I think this is also the reason why so many analytics solutions fail, because they are not accepted by the user, because the user was not involved in the development and they right. don't understand it. And they had also no influence uh, in, in, in the development of their solutions. Do, do you have some advice for like people listening right now? Like that, what you just said, it like, it sounds good. And, and I, and I believe it, right? I understand it because I've seen the change myself, but practically, what would you advise someone to go out and do to like, what should I do if I'm, I'm not really doing it that way? I'm, my team works in, you know, the basement or whatever, and we're a data science team. We're here to do data science. And if they don't want to use it, well, that's not really our problem. They told us what they needed and we gave it to them and we have other projects to work on. What would you tell them? Like, what, what would be some steps they could take now to go and, and do it the new way where, where the customer is part of the creation process what would you tell them to to go do today like what's the first step uh, simple solution is uh, is becoming a trainee in other departments so ask for example the marketing department to spend a day or a week and help them yeah do their work and just look over the shoulder of what they are doing and really try to understand what they are doing and why they are doing it and mm -hmm. how they are doing it and then mm -hmm. come up with maybe solution proposals. But uh, uh, one client told me uh, one day and said, Martin, um, we are very good in implementing the right solutions for the wrong problems. And I think mm -hmm. this is what often happens uh, in data science or business intelligence or whatever, or also in IT departments that they are too quick in, in starting thinking about the solution before they understand the problem. I 100% agree, <laughs> agree with that. Um, it, it, it's a common thing. We don't often spend enough time to really understand that, and it saves a lot of time down the road. Uh, but it does require, as you said, it sounds like you go out and do you know, what I would call like a ride-along uh, interview or, um, you know, contextual interviews with your customers uh, or the, you, you, it sounds like the workshop's a little bit more of an interactive experience. But the point is you're getting, you're taking your technical hat off and you're going into their world and you're going to observe their world and ask questions about what's it like to be you, to do your job, to, to be successful in your work, to provide value the way you provide value and then you figure out how do I complement that if we're in a service, you know, if we're an an internal analytics or data science group, how do we service them? If you can make them successful, they're going to totally dig on what you're doing and they're going to want more. And it's going to bring the value of what you do up because you're supporting them. You're not imposing tools. So I, I love that you're that you're going out and, and doing that type of, uh, you know, on the ground work to go figure out, you know, 
what's your pain? What are, what are your challenges? Like, what's it like to be a social media manager? Like, tell me about your day. How much time do you spend with these tools? Like, what do you hate about them? You know, that's all, it's great stuff. Any other uh, tips you might give to, to people listening in terms of like, how do I scale that? Or like, you know, what's, if I'm a leader in this space, like, what else should I, you know, how do I, how do I get those people to even participate? Like, is it, is it hard to get the, the social media team to agree to go spend time with my, with my data science team or whatever, or maybe I feel like I don't know what to say to them. Like, can you tell any other tips you might suggest? So one thing we practice a lot, and that's also why we started um, designing those canvas tools is in visualizing um, those abstract things like data strategy, data product, analytics, mm -hmm. whatsoever. So we work a lot with those canvas tools um, because we learned that if you show people it on and it doesn't matter if it's just on a sticky note on a on a canvas then people start realizing it and they are starting thinking about it and they start um asking questions and they're starting asking the right questions and discussing the right things and so our approach is always to start with uh, data we call it data thinking workshop so it's it's a applied design thinking to data science uh, and then we uh, have this approach where we say, okay, let's start with a business understanding where we use, for example, this business model canvas. And then we go into the user understanding where we use uh, a canvas that's called analytics use case canvas. And then we, at, at, in the last phase, we go into the data understanding where we explore the data landscape. And therefore it's also a, a so-called data landscape canvas. And that really helps, especially because we start always with a mixed team. So we have data scientists in the team or in the workshop. We have the marketing manager, um, the head of marketing, the sales manager, and often they use different terms, different language. Yeah. And in the past, they just used PowerPoints and Excel sheets, but they didn't work together. And this visualization, this visual collaborative tools help them to you know, find a, a, a common pass right. and, and especially a common uh, objective where they want to go. And this is, I think, critical for the first step to designing a data strategy, but also then to design specific data products. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do people, like in your experience, where do they get it wrong or where are they going to hit roadblocks? It, are, like. Is it personnel, personality types, different departments that tend to not want to participate in this? I, I'm wondering if there's any like suggestions you can give on, you know, be ready for this. This is probably going to happen. And here's how you get around it. You know, what do you have resistance sometimes to this? Like maybe the marketing team doesn't want to participate and the data science team was your client. And they're the ones that like, we really want to be more useful to the business. But, you know, the business doesn't want to come to the table or vice versa. You know, can you talk about some of the challenges someone that's trying this out might might encounter the first time and how they might work around that? Yeah, the, the critical thing is that you need a mixed team. So you need people, for example, from marketing or sales that have this business um, perspective. Mm -hmm. You need people from data science that have this experience in data analytics. And then you also need people, for example, from IT that have this um, perspective uh, on the data sources and the uh, 
technology and so on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, the hard part is to get all those people in one room. Um, but from my experience, it's, it's solvable. So I, often it's easier for us to do it because we are not data science. We are not the data science department. We are not the marketing department. Right. We are like, we are something like Switzerland. Yeah. So we are yeah. neutral. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I think this often helps also because, um, what we learn, of course, is that sometimes it's, it, there are walls between those departments and mm -hmm. you need some, someone from outside that especially doesn't know about those walls. Right. Yeah. So our not knowing is the advantage here because yeah. we just look at it very in a neutral way and we don't care about the business politics. Right. Because we don't know about it. Right. So, and I think this, this helps. Yeah, that I agree that neutral perspective can be really, really valuable to, to clients, right? Because they, they, they don't even know some, sometimes that stuff exists, right? Like the, a third, you know, another party may not know that these other two parties aren't communicating well, or they're not working together or using the same language as you talked about. And so when you can come in and, and help facilitate that, I, I, I think that's great. And I think, you know, one, I don't know if you agree, Martin, you know, I, I tend to think of design, design, uh, is a team sport and it's a lot about facilitating groups of these different cross departmental groups of arriving at a solution for a particular audience, a specific audience that needs a specific problem solved. So a lot of this is getting in the habit of learning how to do the facilitation part because so much of this is human stuff, right? The data may be there, the technology may be possible, it's all there, but we have to connect it back to the human beings on the ground and and that skill set is not python it's it's not it's not doing r coding it's that's it's a different thing um so you know busting through those walls is is really important um it, the you mentioned switzerland which is kind of funny i, I was going to ask you because you you do you work in in europe and i'm guessing you probably have clients from outside of europe but i was curious do you see any cultural differences in, in your clients about how they're receptive or not receptive to some of these different ideas or or different personality types just because you you're, you're probably exposed to a lot of different cultures a lot more than you know we are here i'm here based in here in the states and and so you know my clients tend to to be more americans i'm just curious like what do you adjust <laughs> yeah 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 uh, funny that you are asking but because this is what was um Maybe some Germans will hate me after saying this, uh, <laughs> but there are cultural differences. So we have a lot of clients from Germany, but also we have some clients from Switzerland, um, but uh, also in the Netherlands and also even from Russia and from the United States. Uh -huh. And uh, what I said a, a lot of times in the past was that, especially the Germans, they are afraid of putting a sticky note on the wall. Wow, and say they so they are very afraid of using those canvas tools, and they need us to moderate it. Mm -hmm. And for example, we have um, this uh, one guy, uh, one one client in Russia. It's, uh, it's Nikita. He's a chief data science officer from Siberian Airlines. And oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, he, he he was he was visiting our training for two days, and he went back to uh, Siberian Airlines and uh day after they started using those canvas tools and uh, it was partly in english and part was in german but they just put 
sticky notes in Russian language on it, and they had no problem in, in, in the, I think 30 or 40 people learned to use this tool without using our training, mm -hmm. without asking us, they just used it. Um, mm -hmm. Also, we had one guy um, from Peru, he one day he wrote me a message and said, ah, Martin, I saw that you translated five of those 15 canvas. When can I use the other 10 canvas? And I said, oh, are you using them? Yeah, since three years. And <laughs> uh, uh, and I think, yeah, there is a cultural difference. And especially I have, of course, this German perspective. Uh -huh. And um, unfortunately, I see uh, the adaption rate um, in Germany, especially what design thinking or this this collaborative approach or also this visual approach, uh, I think it's for some people it's yeah they have to become more fam familiar with it. So it's, uh -huh. it's, they don't feel um, let's call it well. So uh -huh. they have this. I, I cannot describe this because I don't I don't have a problem with it. I learned this design thinking approach I think 15 years ago, right. uh, and used it a lot of times. And so it, it is just a part of my DNA. I would call I would say right. But yeah, I don't know why is why this is so special in Germany. Yeah, I I mean I can't speak to the German perspective, but I. You know, one thing, you know, I talk about this in, in my own training is that in kind of in, in the first module, actually, is that welcome to the space of gray, like it's no longer black and white. We're going to be there's so much subjective stuff here. It's ironically, it's not all data driven and analytical. A lot of this is going to be subjective. It's going to be you're going to get other people's perspective when you start getting into the head of a customer. And it may not be what you think they should be doing or you think they're doing it wrong or whatever. And you have to learn to look at it from someone else's perspective. And it's not all going to be really crystal clear and black and white all the time. You have to experiment. You have to try stuff, get it in front of them, get feedback on it. And it's a it's a very organic process. So, I you know, I think for I, I don't I'm generalizing, but I feel like people that have very technical backgrounds sometimes struggle with operating in this kind of gray space where everything isn't going to be scientific and proven out. And that's not the point, right? The point is like in your case, can we reduce the amount of time the social media manager spends on ad spend? And the answer was yes. And how did you do it? Oh, we went through this really mushy process. And the reality is there may not just, there's probably not one solution like Martin's solution that they came up with or that that team came up with that may not be the only right solution. And it, that doesn't matter either. All that matters is, did we help reduce the amount of time this person spends on this work and increase the value of that work? And so when you have that kind of mentality of it's not about being perfect or being right, and it's about the change, then you know maybe something can be let go. I don't, maybe that's the, I don't know if that's what the Germans are reacting to or, or yeah. what, but. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Germans are well known for their engineering skills, and this yes. is of course what what you learn also in school and university, doing the the things right, and and now um, you have this veracity. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I studied bioinformatics, so I learned the whole our whole organism DNA. It's not about it's not deterministic; it's stochastic. So you just talk about statistically or effects and correlations but mm -hmm. there is no 
when people talk about the, the DNA code, it's not a code. It's not like if then else, but it's right. more like uh, if this mut gene mutates, the probability of this action will be increased by 5% or so. And I think this is um, for a lot of people this change in mindset that to live in this yeah, VUCA world, what often is phrased. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, Martin, this has been super fun to chat with you about this. Is is there any like closing thought or closing advice you'd give to you know leaders in the data science, analytics, technical product management space? Like, what what would you like to share with them just in closing? Uh, of course, uh, use our design thinking tools. Um, give us feedback, please. That would be, be great because we are also um, yeah, uh, co-developing our design thinking tools. Um, mm -hmm. And we also um, give them away for free as open source. Mm -hmm. So it's also, oh, yeah, as I said, a, a co-development project. And mm -hmm. of course, the next thing is um, yeah, start thinking about or start exploring this whole idea or approach of design thinking, read some books about it, visit trainings, but maybe also, yeah, just become a trainee in a, in a company uh, or in a department that is already applying design thinking. For example, a lot of larger companies have those innovation labs, talk mm -hmm. to the innovation lab guys to learn how to adapt this approach to data science, data engineering. Yes, I, I agree. And if there's designers listening, you know, to the podcast, I'm I'm often a fan. It's like, go out and seek out your data groups that are out there. There's there's probably a mandate for AI in your company and they may need your help. So if you if you're familiar, whether you have a design by title or you have a design background, uh, you know, go out and seek out uh, people working in this data spot. We need better data products out there and we have the technical experience. It's a, most of the companies have that. Um, and we just need to make sure that people can use these tools and, and products at the end of the day. So uh, I'm totally with you there. Where can people get these tools, though? Should, is it at the Dot and Driver website? Is that the best place to, to find you? Yeah. So on the Dot and Driver website, um, there is a short introduction and there is uh, also links to a platform. It's called Createla. And there you can find all the Canvas tools. Uh, in a digital version, so you can you can use them on Creatla um, itself, or you can download a PDF and print your own PDF, or you can buy it uh, on Status. Um, they're they're, they're pre-printed, so you don't have to go to a copy shop. And there are also um, some tutorials in English language. Got it, got it. And uh, Dot and Riber, is that also in? Is that English available in English? No, the website is in, in German, um, but uh, from there you you will see the links to um, Creatla or just go to createla.com and uh, search for Datentreiber. Well, again, Martin, thanks for coming on here. It's been great to talk to you. I'll, I'll definitely link up your your uh, LinkedIn and, and uh, the website for Datentreiber. And thanks for, for talking to us about design uh, for data products. Yeah, thank you very much and have yeah. a nice day. You too. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it with the hashtag Experiencing Data. To get future podcast updates or to subscribe to Brian's mailing list, where he shares his insights on designing valuable enterprise data products and applications, visit designingforanalytics.com slash podcast.